Jesus, we come to you, God, and we're so very, very needy of your spirit. We are desperate and dependent upon what you have for us. Because, God, we, we don't have inside us life. God, it's, it's only found in you. And so, Lord, we pause just knowing that we're not about to read the words of men, but, Lord, what is in truth, and it's your spirit about to speak to us. And, God, we trust that. We believe it. Lord, I pray it would change us. Lord, as we, as we dive into a topic today that's not, not commonly understood in the world, I pray, Jesus, that you would give us the mercy of understanding and the grace, Lord God, to not just understand it, but apply it into our lives. Because, God, you have so, so many treasures and, and, and rewards for those who follow you. And, God, we want to experience that. We want all that you have for us. And so, Lord, speak to us. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Amen. Well, our verse today that we're looking at is Ephesians 5.21. So, open up there. The captain of the ship looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance. Immediately, he told his signalman to send a message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly, a, a message was received back. Alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered. His command had been ignored, so he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am Seaman Third Class Jones. Immediately, the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear it would invoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. <laughs> In the midst of our dark, dark and foggy times, all sorts of voices are shouting orders into the night, telling us what to do, how to adjust our lives. Out of the darkness, one voice signals quite something opposite to the rest, almost Absurd is its voice, but this voice happens to be the light of the world, and we choose to ignore it at our own peril. And that's a quote from Paul Aelo Jr. And our verse today says, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Submission. Man, it's all around us. Things you don't even think of, like, like the toilet in your bathroom. It submits to its role, and I bet you could just imagine what would happen if it rebelled. I'll let you think about that. Our entire society is built upon submission. All our laws, they depend on submission. If you want to go get on a flight, you will submit to an x-ray screening or to the guy who feels you up. Or you will face the consequences, which is not getting on your flight and probably going to jail. This country has laws, and you have to follow them. But that's not the case, I guess, with all the countries around the world. I've been to Thailand and Russia, and, and uh, you have laws over there, and it's like they're optional. I remember when I was in Thailand, 
Uh, the driving, you guys know driving laws and there's speed limits and stop signs. And if we break one of those laws, we know that there's going to be... Con but in Thailand, man, it is, they are just merely suggestions. Because you're driving down the street and the speed limit says 20 and people are going 80 and no one thinks anything about it. It's crazy. I remember being at a stop sign, a four-way stop sign, or no, a stop lights and, uh, in Thailand and it turned red and people just kept going. And I was like, are they going to stop? They're, gonna, they're not going to stop. And they would keep going, and the other people would be inching up, inching up, and they would only stop when someone actually got in their way to force them to stop. And then this, they would go forever until these guys could muscle their way in. And it was just chaos. It was crazy to be able to see that. Um, and we understand, and I hope that we know that these laws, these rules... They're not really designed to restrict you, but in theory to provide safety and a life full of love. When I was in Thailand and I was observing all this, I actually saw a guy riding a moped and he was driving through the intersection and another truck came and, and he plowed right into the guy right in front of me. And I'm pretty sure the guy died. It was crazy. And, uh, but it's so common out there. And these laws in theory are designed to, for our safety and to give us a uh, a full life. Yet, when God speaks about submission, there seems to be an internal uprising in our hearts that screams out, who is this guy that gets to tell me what to do, who to listen to, and who to obey? I'm not going to submit to that. We're fine when the world tells us to stop at a stop sign, but when Jesus tells us to submit to someone there's an issue. It's deeper. What is this internal uprising and why is the first word that any toddler learns or really falls in love with is no. No, mom. No. No. Come over here. No. You hear that word a lot when kids are growing up. And we all, as we all grow up, there seems to be a consistent battle raging within us as to whether we're going to submit or rebel. Even when we come to know Jesus, this rebellious nature doesn't just disappear. In fact, it may be raging in here right now in this very room. But as we walk in the life of the Holy Spirit, and this message is entitled Life in the Spirit, and we've been looking at walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom, and today we have walking in submission as we walk in this life of the Holy Spirit, we will grow into the likeness of Jesus himself. And his nature, as we're going to see, is one of absolute submission. Kate Buchanan said, as we surrender to the way of the cross and choose to submit, we find freedom, healing, and blessing. So this nature of Jesus is absolute submission. But if he's absolute submission, then the nature of Satan is the opposite. Absolute, total rebellion against authority. Well, let's talk a little bit about the heart of submission. See, God is love, right? We love talking about how much God loves us. And he's gentle at times. And he cares more deeply for you and I than we could ever understand. But he's also a king, and he's the king of the whole universe. Everything submits to him, except some angels and people. 
We're the only things in the whole universe that doesn't submit to his kingship authority. And he's such a loving king, and he's so kind, though, that he desires to bring us back into a place where we can be blessed and the life and the full life that he's intended for us to have is really experienced by us. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 18. And as you're turning to Jeremiah 18, we learn that he is bringing us back into this blessing, into this place of, of, of experiencing all that he has for us by applying pressure into our lives. If we submit to that pressure, then there will be blessings that follow, like a potter and his clay. In Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6, it says, The word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go to the potter's house. There I will call you, cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel which he made was marred in his hand, in the hand of the potter. And so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord. Look, as the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Well, what gives God the right to put such pressure on me? The answer is authority. He is the absolute authority. His name is I am, which means he has the authority because he is self-existent. He is I am. He just exists in and of himself. And he's in charge of everything. Authority is God. Even our reason and logic must bend the knee to his authority. He is all-powerful. He is all-wise, all-knowing, creator and sustainer of everything from the universe to the atom. Everything you see and everything you don't. Yet he's willing to work in our lives. He could absolutely tell us what to do and force us to do it. Yet he desires a deeper relationship of love with us where we can freely submit to him and experience this amazing blessing of his love. People, when people think of submission, they oftentimes associate it with weakness. And that's totally wrong. That's not what's it about. Let me illustrate one thing to you. Why do demons have to flee when commanded in the name of Jesus. I didn't know that. They have to flee. Yes, they have to flee. They cannot stay. Is it because we are so awesome and powerful when we tell them to flee in the name of Jesus? Because we are able to defeat them with some sort of sword-wielding? No. Your, your weapons are useless against these droids. It's not because of that. It's because of authority that God says they have to submit to us when we command them to leave. They literally cannot rebel against it. He forces it, which is, you can go down this trail and just think, wow, that's amazing that God's authority is so powerful 
that something as weak as me can command a mighty spirit or angel to depart and he must listen to me. That's amazing. Again, when people think of submission, they associate it with weakness, but it's completely wrong. Jesus is the perfect example of submission, and yet he has all the power in the universe and more. In Psalm 40, verse 7, he says, Then I said, Look, I have come, as it is written about me in the scriptures. In verse 8, And I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written in my heart. Was Jesus, here's a question, was Jesus as powerful as God the Father? Or was he less powerful than God the Father? Well, the scriptures say he created the whole universe. He, crea- he is called everlasting Father. He's seen as equal, and he's called the eternal God in Isaiah 53. So why wasn't the Father seen on earth? Or why wasn't the Holy Spirit crucified for you? Because long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Jesus had a conversation with the Father and the Holy Spirit. There was this conversation that happened, and they were discussing the redemption of mankind. And in his impossible love, Jesus offered to lay down his life and redeem mankind back from sin. He offered it freely. John 10, 18, Jesus said, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down myself. And I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. But this command I received from my Father. So when did Jesus offer this? When the Father asked him to save us. The Father, our Father, is not some grumpy guy up in heaven. He intended the salvation of all men by sending his Son. He provided for the salvation of every person who ever rebelled, which is all of us, by sending Jesus. Such an act of love. And let me put some context to that conversation for you. The story is told of a, a train operator. And he, he, he wasn't the one operating the train. He operated a bridge that the trains could pass over, over a big canyon. And this bridge would, would raise and lower, and it would lower for the... So it was up at one point, and that one day, this operator came to work, and his son came with him. And they were going to have... It was like, take your son to work day or something. And, and he brought him with them, and they were just having a great time, him and his young child. And as, the, as they were going through the day, the dad got busy kind of doing some of his work over here, and, and then the call came in, over the radio saying, put down the bridge. We have a passenger train on its way. It was diverted from another route. It's coming your way. You need to get on it and put down the bridge. And he could even hear it coming down the distance. And so as he went to, to go get to his controls to put down, he, he called out for his son and he said, where, where are you? And his son called back from a distance. He said, I am over here. And his son had wandered out and was playing in the gears of the bridge. And in a moment, the terror of the father just almost overwhelmed him. And he, and he radioed back and he said, can you stop the train? Can you stop it, please? We are not ready. We cannot lower the bridge. And the train, train came back and said, no, we can't. 
and there's thousands of people on this. You have to figure out how to get the bridge lowered. And so the father, in complete brokenness and tears streaming down, pushed the levers down to lower the bridge. And as the train passed by and he looked in the windows and he looked at all the people drinking their little drinks and laughing and enjoying their lives. He was completely devastated knowing that his son had been crushed to death. And they didn't even know the price paid for their salvation. Complete devastation and yet such an act of love. Jesus is the picture of absolute surrender to the Father's will. He humbled himself to the point of being tortured and killed without mercy, and he didn't even complain, but he just trusted in his Father the whole time. The whole time he was suffering, and that's our example. 1 Peter 4.1 one of the most important verses in the Bible says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Why does our flesh hate submission? Because it requires total brokenness, complete surrender to the Father's will, and it involves suffering. Are you willing to go to the cross? Are you willing to be crushed in the train levers, submitting to the Father's will every step of the way in your life? Because there are no shortcuts to godliness, to Christ-likeness. Our flesh must die. It's ungodly, and so it must die. It's the old man. It wants nothing but self-preservation. And God says, your flesh must die. So if Jesus is this picture of absolute submission, willing to let his flesh be killed, not caring at all what happened to him, not complaining at all, Satan is the picture of absolute rebellion, rebellion against all authority. That's his heart. If Jesus' heart is set on submission to all authority, Satan desires and he hates and he dis despises every form of authority. With this understanding, let us ask ourselves a few questions. Ten questions. Is it hard for you to get along with people? Do you commonly feel lonely? Do you have bitterness against those over you in authority? Are you rude or unkind to those under you or your subordinates? Are you quick to correct others without thinking of how they would feel or how you would feel if you were in their shoes? Are you gentle? Do you lack spiritual authority when you share God's word? In other words, is there no power when you speak God's word? Are you defensive? Are you hurt when someone corrects you? 
Are you desperate to control situations? Each of these questions describe a symptom that we all experience when we have a lack of submission to, and surrender to authorities in our life. Turn to Isaiah 14. Isaiah is the book right before Jeremiah. So Isaiah chapter 14. When we decide to take these things into our own hands, let me explain what's going on. When we decide that submission is not for us, that whatever person, whether it's your boss or your husband or your parent, whatever the stage of life you're in, if you decide submission is not for you, let me explain what's really going on. Because it's not just sinning. I mean, I could say, it's sin, and you all could say, yeah, but it's not just that. We see we are walking in the heart of Satan and not in the heart of Jesus when we say submission is not for us. Submitting to one another is about our hearts following Jesus, who he, who he wants um, us to be, and, and not Satan. You know, Jesus, he wants to save us, and Satan, he wants to destroy us, and yet we make these choices. I'm not going to submit, so I want to follow and be like the one who wants to destroy me, and it makes no sense. Because in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, we see what Satan's heart is all about. This description of how Satan fell, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened nations. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend to the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. See, Satan's rebellion starts out in the heart. He says, something God has done is wrong. And I firmly believe that. Because I should be ascended into heaven. I should be above the stars of God and sit on the mount of the congregations or the farthest sides of the north. And I have no idea what any of that means, but it sounds prideful. It sounds like he wants to be exalted. But the end of that heart is hell, it says. You will be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths. It's destruction. It's waste. It's worthlessness. It's the end of rebellion. All these things. See, here's the deal. God has placed people in your life over you. A husband, a boss, a pastor, an authority of any kind. And you might feel like those people are so far from God's will or working in your life, but in actuality, they are a huge part of your relationship with Him. You actually fellowship with God when you submit to them, whether they are kind or harsh, whether they are smart or an idiot. Whether you think they like you, respect you, or have earned it or not, you can have fellowship with God by submitting. 
If God places them over you, it's his hand applying pressure to form you into a beautiful vase or a pot or something that he's making, whatever that potter is making from, my, from Jeremiah. God is not fighting against you by giving you an evil boss. He is working in you. He's working in you. But I can't handle this. This is too hard. How can I submit to this? I know it's impossible in your own nature. But that's why Jesus offers us a new nature to live with. His nature. His life-giving, life-flowing thing called the Holy Spirit inside you. And that's how grace works. God allows challenges that bring us to the end of ourselves, our own resources, so that we can learn to rely upon him, trust him, depend upon him, casting our care upon him because he actually does care for you. But he gave me this evil boss, but he cares for you. But have you seen my husband? I know you got me there. No, just kidding. He actually still cares for you. He still loves you. He, he did it because he cares for you. In 1 Peter 5.5, 5, he says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that hand applying pressure, that potter's hand is so heavy sometimes, it's a mighty hand, that he may exalt you in due time. In verse 7 it says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. See, we're going to be talking about some traditionally challenging parts of Scripture in the next couple weeks here. But if we get this heart today, it will completely change the way we view the next portion of Ephesians. Because I don't know if you read ahead, but it's the part that everyone's scared of. Women, submit to your husbands. Everyone, submit to your bosses. Children, submit to your parents. We like that one. But we got to understand the heart of submission. If we get this heart of God today, it's going to completely change the way we look. You know, God wants us to be submissive so that he can bless us with his grace. Did you catch that? He said, I oppose the proud, but I give grace to the humble. It's like God is saying, you, got, you get the choice. You know, I, if you're prideful, if you have that heart of Satan, that that rebellious and you don't want to submit to authority type heart, I got to hold you out as far as my arm can keep you. I resist you. But if you just buy in to the fact that I care about you, that I love you, and that the pressure I'm applying to your life is not me against you or me fighting you, it's that I, I'm, I want to form you. He says, you're going to receive grace then we can experience what casting our care upon him and, and then seeing his wonderful care for us. 
And we get that resume written in our life of God's faithfulness. And, and because he was faithful in this situation, he'll be faithful in the next situation. And we look back and say, I know I submitted and then I saw God come through for me. And here I submitted and I haven't seen it yet, but I trust that he loves me. I trust that his resume says he's going to come through for me. And so I buy in to his love. And I believe it. What did Jesus do? when submission got difficult. Because I know it can be difficult to submit to the authorities in your life. Think to the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before Jesus was crucified, what did Jesus do? Well, he bowed. He prayed. He trusted. He believed. He cried out. He bled. He took some friends with him. He quoted scripture. He meditated on the word. He cast his very soul upon the Father. And then he got up and he submitted. So there's your path. When it's difficult for you. When your husband is just a goober and a half. When your boss cares nothing about you and demands so much, pray, trust, believe, cry, take some friends with you, quote some scripture, spend time in the word, beg. All these descriptions of humility and see what God does. Wait, you say, wasn't he tortured and killed right after that? How is that victory? You're saying Jesus had victory. Well, how, how was that victory? Well, like we said a little while ago, the death of our flesh is the point. It's the first part of our victory, the first half. Sometimes in football they say, yeah, they won the first half. That's the first half. The death of our flesh, our old man that never seeks the Lord's heart or his will that selfish part of us that follows after the heart of Satan, he is killed by our submission to the Lord. He's killed. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. How did that happen? Submission. He submitted to Jesus, what Jesus had for him. And what does Paul then say? I've been crucified with Christ, but yet not I, but the flesh that's in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. See, the second part of our victory, the second half victory, is the new life that Jesus exemplified when he rose from the dead. And after we have submitted and died to ourselves, his life then flows through ours. His resurrection power is given to us, or grace is given to us. So our verse says we should submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Many of the oldest manuscripts read in the fear of Christ. Check this out. Our life will be judged by God. But lest you think he won't understand how hard submission was or how difficult it is for us to submit, or he'll just overlook our lack of submission, John tells us that Jesus is actually going to be our judge. In John 5, 22, it says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. So then, 
we are exhorted to be afraid of letting him down when it comes to submission. Be afraid of displeasing him because there's no court of appeals in heaven. And Jesus will say, I, will, I submitted to the worst authority. My bosses were way worse than yours. Mine literally tortured me, ripped out my beard, killed me when I did nothing but love them. Oh, it's just so hard. I know. But that's what I'm calling you and asking you to do. In 1 Corinthians 10.22, it says, Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And in 2 Corinthians 5.11, it says, Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul has a lot to say about the passion Jesus has for you and how passionate we need to be about that, about what he's calling us to. And our last verse for today is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. It says, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Let me read that again, because I think you just ignored me. <laughs> Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, because men are so smart. Nope, doesn't say that. Because it's the right thing to do. Nope, it doesn't say that. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether as to kings as supreme or to governors or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Verse 15, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not losing, using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. When you love submission, it is a powerful ministry to this world. When you love submission, it doesn't have to be a law or a rule, it's your joy because you are a bondservant of God. How can that person love their boss when their boss is such a jerk? It draws attention to God. And you can ask them, it's like, does the Bible say you have to do that? And they can say, I, maybe, I don't know but I do it because I love God. And his heart was one of submission, and so that's what I choose. When you love submission, you don't have to hide from your boss or your husband or your pastor like a cloak. Like Frodo had that magic cloak that would make him like automatically able to hide from the orcs. We don't have to be like that. You can honestly love them. You don't have to fake it. Your boss comes in and he sees you working hard. You don't have to be like a cloak, it says, for vice. 
You don't have to hide anything. Such freedom in just submitting to what God has for you. When you love submission, when you love submission, you love God. You're learning and drawing near to his heart. And I dare you, I dare you to taste and see that it's not the best heart you could ever know. I know it can be tough. And so that's why we have some time now to worship the Lord and to, and to uh, process this. Because it can be hard. And next week we're going to see the blessings of wives submitting to your husbands and husbands, what they do with wives. And, and if this is our heart in this, it's going to be such a blessing for us. So I'm really excited to see what God does for us. So would you guys all stand with me and pray with me? So Lord, we just we bow our heads and close our eyes, God, and Lord, we, we offer ourselves on that, on that altar, God, of, of submission. And Lord, maybe you've brought up many things that I don't know about to the people's hearts here, to your people, and maybe there's just a place in their lives where you're calling them to submit. And I know, God, it's not so that you can break them down or you can devastate them or you can wear them out. But, God, it's so that they can experience a blessing, the fellowship of Christ's sufferings and the power of your resurrection. So, God, we we ask, Lord, that you would take this and put it deep down in our hearts. And Father, we choose, Lord, you over this world. We choose you over what you, over what this world has to offer us or what our flesh longs for, desires to rule over. God, we choose your way, Jesus, that was shown to us in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Lord God, we worship you now in an act of submission. Lord, we worship you now.